This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. I'm so happy you're here. I'm Sandy Scarlatta. I was born in Virginia Beach and raised in the Baltimore Annapolis area and had very humble and tragic beginnings. And as a result, my life was a hot mess. Thankfully, 33 years ago, I got my act together. And since that time, I have dedicated my life to serving others and raising awareness that no matter what you've been through, you can choose happiness and live the life of your dreams. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a choice, and the choice is yours. Today's episode is amazing, and I am so grateful for you. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to leave a review and follow me on social media at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. Enjoy the show. Bruce Bryan. Oh my gosh, my friend. It is just such an honor and a privilege. And I'm so grateful to be chatting with you again because we've had multiple conversations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. How's everything going today? Everything is. um, Yesterday was my 90th day. So. Whoa! I'm, 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 uh, I've been able to accomplish some of the 90-day goals that I had. Okay. When I was incarcerated, I said the first 90 days, there are some things that I wanted to accomplish. And I've been checking them off my list. And the last one so far was getting my permit. So I've been driving. Um, that's been fun. That's been great. Yeah. So I have my permit. Now I'm just waiting to uh, take the driver's test and get my license. So that feels good. It feels good. Oh. I mean, I was all over Manhattan and Long Island yesterday. So, and everyone said, you know, you sure you ain't driving all those years while you were inside? Because you're doing an awfully good job now. So that made me feel good. Well, it doesn't, it's not like, you, you forget. Know, now, you, well, you don't forget. It's like riding a bike. Like people say that. And, you know, you take it's some like minutes that... Yeah. It was probably a lot easier than learning to use your iPhone. Absolutely. No <laughs> doubt about it. No right. Much easier so, than using an iPhone. So for those of you who, who aren't familiar with Bruce, um, Bruce was wrongly convicted of a crime and served over 28 years in prison. And you were just released in April of this April year, 24th. April 24th. 90, 90 yes. day, my 91st day. Wow. Wow, wow, I'm wow. Processing, I'm processing every hour. Um, every day is 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 a a depth, you know, a depth of gratitude. Another step towards just saying thank you. I, I can't thank you, you know, the people enough, the support enough. Just having my freedom again means everything. This means everything. Oh, no kidding. And I first yeah. heard you on um Joe Rogan show with your colleague he's now your colleague you now colleague, work together yes, yes. yes josh dubin who's doing just amazing work and i've listened to every episode that he's done like even wow. before you were on the show i yeah. because i just i'm very passionate about this topic and 
um, wanted to talk with you today because, you know, my podcast, Happiness Solved, is all about sharing these incredible stories of yes. human beings that have gone to so many different lengths, mm -hmm. whether it be wrongly incarcerated, you know, near-death experiences. You know, I, I talked to a girl once who was kidnapped and was was tied up in a garage for a week. You wow. know what I mean? Like, like there's just so many different stories of resilience. Yes. And hearing your story of resilience was just something that I couldn't even comprehend. But I love that you're free now and, and getting your, your driver's permit, that's just a whole nother level of freedom, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Do you yes, feel like a 16-year-old little boy again? Like, woohoo. I'm going to be completely honest with you. It felt, it felt like a, another uh, load was lifted off of my shoulders. Yeah. Um, and then getting behind the wheel, it felt natural. Like this is where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. The reality is um, I fought hard for close to 29 years to not internalize um, prison values, the prison system. Um, so I always kept it in my mind and in my heart that I would be home with my family, right? I kept that at the forefront from my vision board to my affirmations that I would have on my wall, um, understanding that where I was didn't have to define who I was and what I can become. Uh, I tried to hold on to those values and just uh, uh, stay focused and know that this is where I belong. That was abnormal. Right. Driving and being home is normal. So I felt I feel a sense of normalcy, being able mm. to get up, getting a car, and drive. That sense of normalcy, which I missed for close to three decades, has been, you know, it's been an honor and just like you said, like a, like a kid in the candy store. This happy, yeah. deeply yeah. happy, and deeply grateful. You well, here's the thing. Yeah, you way. do. Yes. Right, things and, and... People, things that people often take for granted, you learn to appreciate deeply. And I was actually just going, and I'm, I apologize for, for interrupting you. I didn't mean to do that. But um, the, I was just about to emphasize that and make sure that the listeners really hear that your everyday being, driving a car for the first time, all of those things, is back to normalcy. And we do take it for granted so often. And this is such yeah. an amazing reminder to everybody, to mm -hmm. every day. You know, what do they say about the present? Not to use some of these old sayings, but, you know, yesterday's the past. Yeah, tomorrow's, the, you know, yeah, today's a gift. It's, today's it's a gift. Deep, it's, it's a present. It's a gift. Present. Yeah. This is a gift. Talking to you from yeah. New York to Virginia, right? Yeah. Meeting amazing people like yourself. This is a gift. And for me, there's no, there's no greater gift than relationships. Life. Oh. Life is about relationships, not the quantity, but the quality of relationships that you develop and that you build on. So you know, I deeply appreciate you having me. I deeply uh, appreciate Well, we're the only ones that know this, so I'm going to share it anyway. This is our second go around because the first time the internet connection was bad. So we're getting to have this conversation all over again. So I'm so yes. grateful for that. Um, I, I was reading a couple of the articles um, that were written about you after you came home and, and you went into a lot of detail in this um, on Joe Rogan's show, but the, the T, when you were incarcerated, they made a clerical error and they put a T at the end of your name. 
Bryant with a T. So now that you're home, you were able to get that error corrected. And and it was, it was almost as if this was the, you know, a new birth for you. But here's the thing that, um, that I wanted to, to, to really point out here. It's that hope that you had and experienced every single day that, that kept you going. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because it's one of those things that obviously we don't know what we don't know. And, and one of the main things I want to emphasize with you on this podcast is to let the listeners hear that, you know, you, you didn't take that incarceration as just like, okay, and just give up on everything. quite the opposite. You turned everything around for yourself. You got a bachelor's degree, you got your, you did community outreach programs. And that is not something to be taking lightly because it was the mindset, that resilience, that strength, that grit that kept you going. Can you elaborate a little bit more about that? Thank you so much. And I'm humbled by those compliments. I mean, uh, you have to be able to make up your mind that when you change the way you look at things, things literally change the way that they look. Um, circumstances, conditions. Um, I used to say, I'm not under the circumstances. I'm over the circumstances. Meaning that I'm, I'm, I'm able to cope and deal with them and thrive despite where I am. Earlier in my incarceration, an old timer gave me a pamphlet called Constructing a Prison Life. Hmm. Meaning that despite being in prison, you can set small goals for yourself and objectives that you want to achieve. And you can go on pursuit as if you were as if you were free. So they incarcerate you physically, but your mind still there's a level of freedom that you have mentally. And you always have to have vision for your life. The vision of where you want to be. The Bible says, "My people, uh, where there is no vision, the people perish." Right. So I have, I've always had a vision of doing more and being more. And early in my incarceration, I made a conscious decision to not serve time, but to have time serve me. Mm-hmm. So that meant, you know, taking those hours and utilizing them. Right. Utilizing the cell that I was in as as a space where uh, I utilized as my office. I didn't just go in and lay down. Um, I went in and I read books or I wrote, you know, or I studied, right? Or I prayed and meditated. I did things that everyday people do, you see? Because I, when I would leave and go to the yard, that was like my time going to the gym, right? To work out, to exercise, to keep my physical. Then on, on during the week, I would go to Bible study or I would go to church right, to nurture my spirit. So it was about nurturing mind, body, spirit, and understanding that there is something in front of me that's greater. There are people out there that um, that that need me. My mother needed me. My family needs me. Um, I, I, I needed them. Yeah. I think that hope, that hope comes from prayer, and it comes from people who, who you love. They become the, the wind beneath your wings. Um, after losing my father in 2017, um, I was still in college. I lost him February 6, 2017, and I didn't graduate until uh, June 7th, June 6, 2017. So, so oftentimes I would be sitting in the classroom studying for school or the teacher maybe, the professor maybe giving a lecture, and I would find a tear just dropped down my eye. 
Um, mm-hmm. Right? But even in the midst of that tear, I would always remind myself that somehow my father is watching and wants me to continue to do what I'm doing. He wants me to thrive. Um, and it's hope that allows us to thrive. Once a person loses hope, um, their life stops. You know, you're only, you're, you're only existing. I refuse to simply exist. I wanted to thrive. So I would write, which was cathartic for me. I would write down my thoughts. Um, I would write down my goals. I would put, um, I would take statements that I, you know, or that I created or something that I read that jumped out at me. And I would write it and, and tape it on the wall in the cell. Um, when I knew I had a lecture for school, I would stand in the mirror and pace in the cell, only a six by nine cell. I would walk back and forth um, practicing my presentation. Wow. So I just tried to change the way I looked at my entire environment. And, and I tried to encourage others to do the same because my motto is to lift as you climb, right? You can always pull somebody up while you're moving forward. Uh, I watched my father do that his whole life. Uh, mm-hmm. He's always pulled others from our country, Antigua, West Indies, his relatives. He's always tried to pull them as he climbed. Um, many of our relatives lived with us for many years. So I watched my mother and father do this, and they are my strength. My mother is, is literally my strength. She's downstairs now uh, doing uh, well, thank God. I'm blessed to still have her. And uh, it's people like them and my siblings and my nieces and nephews that just keep me going and give me the energy and the strength that I need. Um, people need people. No man is an island. We all need each other. We're social beings. And we all need that lift, that boost, that word of encouragement, or that silent prayer that says, help Bruce keep going. Um, yeah. You know, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And, and I would, I'll be honest with you, I would implore anyone who has someone struggling um, with incarceration. It doesn't have to be physical incarceration. It could be a prison of the mind. It could be the prison of addiction. You see, it could, be the right. prison of, it could be the prison of mental health, right? It could be the prison of a poor, of, of, of an unhealthy relationship, a marriage, uh, domestic violence, whatever it may be. I implore someone, if you have a loved one or a friend that you know is dealing with some level of imprisonment, give them some encouragement. Give them some words of advice. Let them know that you believe in them. And more importantly, um, encourage them to look in the mirror and tell that person that they see in that mirror that they love them and that person is worthwhile and that person's life is meaningful. And that's what got, I mean, for years, every morning, for decades, I would look in the mirror and say, I love you because you're important. And self-love is, is, is the foundation for it all. Wow, we could end right there. And that was so much amazing content. Um, I know before when we talked, I was like, oh, that's the name of, of a book for you or something like that. Well, you just described your next book. <laughs> just saying, you know. <laughs> the fact that you were able to compare being in prison to every type of other imprisonment, and I'm using air quotes for those that are just listening, that's brilliant. And what better person 
can can really you know I don't want to say poster child because but you know what I mean like yes. you're the perfect example of someone who is able to really have that the equation solved happiness solved like you, like it was like you solved an equation there Thank of you. how to I survive I never looked at it that way but um, you did you did how else can you I mean you know there's so many stories of you know people that you know, survived the Holocaust and Gandhi and, you know, or no, Nelson, was it Nelson Mandela? Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela, um, that, that, that survived that um, mm -hmm. imprisonment and was able to make that shift. And it really, it just came to me, really. I mean, that's, that's almost like if there is a, a solution to solving that equation of life and happiness, you're a prime example of that. And it's, 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 it's incredible. Yeah. It's really, a, um, it's really a, takes a lot of deep uh, introspection and reflection to to have that paradigm shift in the way that we think, because yeah. we've for the most part we've been socially conditioned to think a certain way. Um, oftentimes, we define our worth by the things that we have, by stuff. Um, you know, not by the quality relationships that we have, not by the people that we love and that love us. You see, we've been we've been taught and we've been conditioned to define our, our entire existence by the our material gain. Uh, but life is so much more. Relationships are so much more meaningful. Uh, yeah, people have so much more value. Uh, you can touch a person's life, or a person can touch your life from a million miles away. That's right. And sometimes it's just a single act of kindness that allows you to begin to shift and see people differently and see things differently and see situations differently. Mm. Yeah. So, so true. Unbelievable. Okay. So as I told you before, the, you, um, when you were talking on, when you were on Joe Rogan, you talked about the GoFundMe and I immediately went and donated that donated to your GoFundMe page. And we're going to, I'll make sure that that is in the um, show notes as well for people to click on. Um, because when you, you think about it, well, of course, no, I mean, think about it, everybody. I've never asked my listeners ever to donate to anything. It's, you know, everybody's choice, but the, the, what people aren't recognizing is that when, and I just remember when my ex-husband, because I was there the day he was released from prison, you have nothing. Yeah. You know, you start, you're starting over from scratch and, you know, it's, it's an expensive world out there. And so I'm so grateful to see that people have been contributing, but I, have you read any of these, um, the comments? I've read quite a few. Um, just. Can I, can I read one of them? Yes. Yes, you may. Because this is so important. And I actually think about this as well. And this person um, by the name of Stuart said, Hey Bruce, I'm a 59 year old white alcoholic trying to quit for the second time and struggling. Wow. Now I'll think of you when I want to pick up and hopefully say to myself, you can't just give up this one thing when that man has endured so much and is so gracious. Mm -hmm. In other words, I want to be better. Thanks for the mm. inspiration. Mm. And um, now I'm going to cry. Cause like, there are times, Bruce, when I hear, I remember your story, because we've all been through hell and back. They're just different versions of the truth. Right? Yes. 
Each and every one of us. That's right. We all have just a different version. It's just there's not that many things. There's a couple of things I can think of that could be worse than what you endured, but there's really not that many, right? And then of course it's all your perception, right? It's all your perception yeah. of how you see it. Um yeah. but I do know for me, that's why I've been on this journey for 33 years because I went through so much pain and continued even when I started on this spiritual path mm -hmm. in my journey. Um, I still had things happen because it's that's life and we're always going to have, you know, we're always going to have struggles and we're always going to have pain. Yeah. It's just, it's stories like yours that make me take pause for a second and say, wait a second, stop. Mm -hmm. And it's okay because we're human and we're always going to be having these negative thoughts. We're always mm -hmm. going to have them. Right. So mm -hmm. that brings me to one thing that I did want to ask you, because, yeah, while it was a very, very long time and a huge portion of your life, devastating can being convicted, you know, wrongfully. There had to be moments where you wanted to give up. If and when you had those moments, how did because we're human, right? The mind, the brain's going to be like, oh, right. Fine what did you do? Because it's okay, everybody. And, and I'm always here to share on my, on my show that, you know, we're going to have our bad days. We're going to feel angry and we're going to be upset and we're going to get jealous and we're going to feel all of these emotions. And as humans, the happiest people are the people that experience the full range of emotions because that's normal. It's normal to be angry. It's normal. Okay. So when you got those, how did you make that shift to, to flip that switch again, to keep going? One of the things I realized is that you said something about the happiest people are those that experience the range of emotions. I've also found that the happiest people, despite where they are, are those who have committed them to their lives to a cause, to something that is more greater than themselves, something that is greater and something that is meaningful, that gave them or allowed them to live a purposeful life. And I found myself incarcerated and I decided that, you know, it wasn't just about me being incarcerated. Those moments when I was deeply depressed, when I cried my, those thousands of nights that I cried myself to sleep, um, I realized that I can, I can still do something. And what that something was, I can still pick someone else up because someone who cried themselves to sleep the same night that I did, didn't wake up because they decided to tie a bed sheet around their neck and kill themselves. That's and right. I can tell you, and I can tell you of countless instances mm. such as these, countless instances of suicide, countless incidents of uh, drug overdoses in prison throughout yeah. New York state prison system. Um, I mean, guys that you, you know, you talk to a guy today and he seems normal and tomorrow five in the morning, you find out, he just, you know, Charlie just hung up. He just took his life. He didn't make it. So in those moments, I realized that people were in worse conditions than I was, especially those who were in the mental health, suffering with mental health right. crisis, dealing with bipolar, schizophrenia, um, not really understanding what it is that they're going through. And, and many of them were suicidal. How could I contribute to them and pick them up? And in mm. picking other people up, I picked myself up. Yeah. Right. When you recognize the humanity in others, it helps you understand that your humanity is inextricably intertwined with theirs. It does race, creed, color. Those are social constructs right. that is designed to keep us separate. We're all alike. 
We all share ninety nine percent of the same DNA. We're human, part of the human yep. family. That's and right. The same struggles that you have, the same range of emotions that you go through. I think. Yeah. So I would right. pick myself up by by picking someone else up, by finding you know finding programs to get involved in where I would speak to younger guys and tell them about the era of their ways, right? To discourage them from engaging in uh, uh, gang activity, to discourage them from gaining and uh, uh, becoming involved in more criminality while they're inside, discourage them from using drugs and encourage them to get in college, get in school, take right. advantage of some of the programs that will keep you busy because the idle mind is the devil's workshop. Yes. And when you, yes. when you bury yourself in growth and development, uh, you're going to have those moments of, of sadness, but when you start growing and developing and, and realize that you can turn your pain into purpose by committing yourself to a cause that is greater than you, that's when you realize, I can pick myself up today. I may be sad. I might be hurting. I may have lost my father a week or so, a, a day ago or a week ago, but I can pick myself up. I can pick myself up because somebody else needs it. Somebody else may be about to take their own life. You never know what the next guy is going through. Because it's easy to wear a mask. You know, many guys in prison, they wear a mask all day, you know. Um, and when they get in that cell, it's just them and themselves in that cell. And they have to look in that mirror. It's what do you see and what do you think of that person? And my self-talk, I used to have self-talk. That paradigm shift in the way that I... I thought about life, um, you know, while I was deep in a mess, I realized I can turn my mess into a message and it can help someone else, right? I can really, really dig deep and turn this painful experience into purpose that can change lives, that can touch lives, just like I'm, I'm I mean, I'm completely humbled by the, by the, by the story you just read um, of the guy who donated and talked about his life with addiction. Yeah. Some people that were physically free were deeper, deeper in mess than many of the guys that are incarcerated. And we just don't, it's hard for us to see that when we're, when we're behind bars. But the reality is it exists. It exists. And I see it every day when I get on a train and go to work and I see the countless homeless people, right? Or when I'm leaving work and I'm bringing food from work to give to someone that I just saw on the train station earlier that day. You see, because all of our humanity is connected and we can, we have to be able to dig deep and, and realize that our life has purpose. Our life has meaning. So despite the pain that I'm going through, I still have to find the purpose. And sometimes I would just, I would cry myself to sleep in the middle of the night. I would give up and I would just write. Yeah. Write a, I would write a letter to God. Yeah. I've written thousands of letters to God. Mm. express my pain just and that was my way of getting it out yeah right so so journaling helped journaling helped me tremendously oh, being yeah. able to, to, to write to my even if it's just saying god I, you know it's too much for me to deal with right now just give me a sense of peace so that i can rest tonight and make it through the night tomorrow will be better you know maybe i'll get on the phone tomorrow i'll get a visit this week from from mommy and i'll get that hug and feel that vibration from my loved ones. You see? Yeah. Because love, love is so much more than a word or an action. It's also a vibration. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's a vibration that we all give off, that we feel, and that we internalize, right? 
That's you right. Gotta be able to recognize it and internalize it and hold on to it. Yeah. And hold on to it. You know, so my prayers, whether they be in writing or they be in those silent moments, or if it's just some soft music that I turn on, these are the things that prevented me from giving up on myself, from giving up on life, from giving up on my family, from giving up on the goals that I wanted to achieve. And I'm so grateful that I had those moments because I'm here today talking to you. That's I'm right. here today talking to you, and I'm better because of those moments. Yeah. I'm better because of those moments. Oh, my gosh. This, I've just... You're just the first person I've ever spoken to that has just so much wisdom. And I thank you so much. The last thing that I wanted to touch on, because this was something that really hit me, because I had never heard anybody say this before, but apparently you were writing letters to um, Josh Dubin, and he didn't see them for a while. Um, But every single letter that you signed, you signed Oceans of Gratitude. And I love that so much. Thank you. And it's like, I wish I came up with it because I would love to just close every email out with oceans of gratitude, but I can't. Or, or if I do, I'll say, okay, this is from Bruce Bryan. This is his saying, right? Yeah. Oh, so I, because I can't say things unless I give people credit. But I love that. It is so, oh my gosh. It, it just embodies what you must have been feeling like to just reaching out and asking, you know, please, I'm yeah. so grateful for anything you can do. Yeah. And, and and realize that so much of our planet is made up of water. I figured there's no greater way to express my gratitude than to say, you know, my gratitude is the depths of it is far beyond I could ever express in words or in deed. Um, the best thing I can do is show you who I am and, and the transformations that I'm making in my life in expressing those oceans of gratitude as mm-hmm. I do um, with my peers, with people like you who provided me with this platform to share um, in hopes that that not just telling my story at this point, but it's really about inspiring someone and giving someone hope and letting them know that they can do it as well, that they have the wherewithal within them to uh, to rise above the fray and to continue to thrive despite where they are. Despite where they are in life, they can pick themselves up and they can do something because people care, right? Because I care and I understand um, that this human family, we can only, it's all of us or none of us. And That's that, right. And I internalize that in terms of getting to the next level, getting to a, a greater space, a space of harmony where we can all be, have a harmonious life, right? Um, it's all of us or none of us. And so we really need to understand that. And so it was my way of really expressing just how deep my my, my gratitude is, my gratefulness is. Um, mm. So the people who, and just in such a deep need when you're fighting for your life, um, you just want someone to listen because it's that hope that you wanted. Right. You see? It wasn't yeah. just it wasn't just receiving a letter back on words. That letter was hope. Yeah. Correction officer walks by your cell and he stops with mail and says, what's your last name? Your last name is Brian. And he puts mail on your boss and he comes and says, oh, you got some legal documents. He's not just giving you paper. He's giving you hope. That's right. He's giving you hope. Um, yeah. 
And I'm not quite sure correction officers or staff really understand that. But every time you go by an incarcerated person's cell bars and you place that legal mail on their bars or you place that letter from their mother or from their loved ones, you're providing them with hope. And hope is the essence of what takes us through life. Without yeah. hope, there is no life. We, we wouldn't be anywhere. We, we would never make it past a certain age, for sure. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So tell everybody what you're doing today, because you're doing some really great work. And I know you're, you know, talk about paying it forward. Like you're, you're in there in the grind every day, yes. helping out other people. So could you talk about that a little bit? Currently, um, I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate to work with Josh Dubin at the Pearl Mother Center for Legal Justice at Cardoza Law. Our clinic is called the Freedom Clinic. Um, we're working to get guys and girls out on clemency, uh, guys and girls out on wrongful convictions. Um, right now, we, we recently had a special guest on yesterday who served 38 years in New York State Prison. And uh, she told us about the need that some of the women have, but so many of our incarcerated sisters have been uh have been subjected to domestic violence and now there's a um you know there's a do domestic violence survivors justice act that is pending um and, and we're able to utilize that to get some of our clients into courts so we're looking at every angle we can to help free people to help people get home to their families and change their conditions um we have about 12 scholars some sean carter foundation scholars working with us and some Cardoza Law students working with us. And, it, and you know, I get so much energy from them every time I see them. They're young, they're vibrant, um, they're ready to win, they're ready to rumble, they're ready to take in all the information and the experience that we have. They're reading letters, they're reading cases, um, they're looking to, to, to help, you know, change lives. Uh, I think there's nothing, there's no greater feeling than seeing a child born. The second best feeling is walking the person out of prison. Mm -hmm. It's equivalent to, that's right. It's helping someone walk out of prison. It's probably the second best feeling in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we are working on, you know, we are devoted to. Two weeks after I got out, we were able to help a guy, Sheldon Johnson, and go to court for him. I had to step in the courtroom and then we went, and he got his sentence cut in half. Then we went to the prison to receive to pick him up on the day of his release. Oh wow! Uh, oh man, it's 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 just it's just a great feeling to be able to help men and women uh, achieve their freedom and give them a sense of hope. Mm. I know what that feeling is like. I know I, I shared this with you before. You know, my ex husband was you know he was driving drunk and hit a motorcycle and killed two people and you know served seven. In a little over seven years, um, which mm -hmm. was his maximum term. Mm. Um, he didn't get, you know, they didn't let him out early for any reason, you know, which, which, you know, and he was totally fine with it. He's like, you know what, I am here for a reason and I'm going to pay my debt to society and I'm going to, and he did what you did, made, tried to make it a better place for everybody in there. But yes. um, watching my son be reunited with his dad um, after all that time was just the most incredible feeling. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
just incredible. So I can only imagine when you're actually helping somebody who is wrongly convicted to be released, that's even more of just, there's just nothing like it. Yeah. And, and, and it's amazing you mentioned your son because since I've been home, I've been able to visit the organization that I've also been working with while I was inside called right. Children of Promise NYC. Um, yep. Children of Promise NYC has two locations, one in Brooklyn, one in the Bronx, and they cater to children of incarcerated parents. Um, currently, they have over 300 children in both locations, 150 in one, 150 in the other, and they're providing full wraparound services. From, they have an on-site wellness center with licensed clinicians to help young people who have who are impacted by parental incarceration deal with the trauma. Um, they have letter writing days where the children gather together and write letters uh, to um, the incarcerated parent. Um, they have sports, they have mentors, they have tutors, they have art therapy. Uh, the staff are amazing. Since I've been released, I've been able to stop by and talk to some of the kids. Uh, I've been asked a few tough questions that that brought me to tears by some mm. of the young people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I really had to take a moment. But um, you know, so many of these kids who are they're like invisible victims. Um, it is what it's something I'm passionate about. It's something I gave a TEDx talk about while I was yeah. incarcerated. Yep. Um, because these children are often overlooked, right? They're marginalized, you know. Uh, Many of them already come from impoverished background, That's and right. then to have a parent or both parents moved out of the household due to incarceration, um, and to be left with a grandparent or foster care, these kids these kids have it extremely difficult. Um, they do. One way to break that cycle of intergenerational incarceration is to go out there and talk to these kids. And I would employ anybody. You got a free hour, a free hour or two. Find a local nonprofit that caters to at-risk youth or children of incarcerated parents and volunteer a moment and go and talk to these kids, share with these kids. I think everyone who has experienced incarceration should stop by an organization like Children of Promise NYC and, and, and talk to the children. Talk to the young girls whose mothers and fathers are not there. Talk yeah. to them. Donate some time. Um, you know, sometimes your time is so much more important than just your dollar. So if you can give them time, resources, whatever you can provide them. Um, and, and while I was incarcerated, we were able to provide them with school supplies, backpacks filled with notebooks. Um, sometimes we were able to get coats. Uh, now, you know, school is about to start in probably about another month or so. Yeah, that's right. These, these young people, they need things, right? The Bronx is the poorest borough in New York City. Brownsville, Brownsville, Brooklyn is the poorest community in New York City. Many of these kids come from the vast majority come from these marginalized impoverished communities. So time, resources, book supplies, school, you know, school supplies, whatever a person can provide to help these kids, it, it, it makes a world of a difference. But more than anything, stopping by and sharing a word of encouragement. Yeah. Providing these young kids with hope mm. is so important. It's so important. And there's the word again, hope. And, you know, that was something that I, I talked to my son about um, mm. after our last conversation. And he's like, that's exactly what I want to do. He's like, I want to start a nonprofit 
to help children of incarcerated parents because he was wow. one wow. and he didn't have any support other than me. And there was a few people in the community mm -hmm. that were, mm -hmm. you know, nobody would ever talk about it. It was just like, how are you doing? And he'd be like, I'm good. You know, and his friends were, you know, he had a good support group and everything. And, and I'm really proud and grateful and blessed that we were in a community that, that really helped it helped him because we weren't in an impoverished type situation. So the stigma was a little different for him. Right. Unless um, there was a there's a stigma. There was still a stigma. There was and still a stigma. Oftentimes yeah. children blame themselves. Yeah. Right? They oftentimes blame themselves. Yeah. And it's so important. I think that's brilliant that he wants to start that. I think that's uh, you know, any help he needs from me, um, tell him to let me know. Yeah. We can connect him to the founder. Yeah, well, he wants problems. to come and visit and and go that to the awesome. one of the centers with you, and he would love would awesome. to talk to him, talk to the kids. Oh, I would love to. That yeah, he's awesome. finishing. He's twenty two. He'll be twenty three in September. Oh, he's finishing up. He's got one more year of college, um, so I don't. You know, we'll we'll fit it in at some point in the next year or so. Yes. But yeah, this story would mean so much to these young people. Absolutely, absolutely. It means so much. Yeah. Well, Bruce. I could talk to you for hours. Um, and I yeah. always joke that this is not Joe Rogan, so we're not going to sit here for two or three hours, but uh, <laughs> I just appreciate any time with you. I can't wait to meet you in person because I know we're going to plan something and, Absolutely. and get together and just thank you for everything that you're continuing to do. And you're just such a blessing in my life. And you're a blessing to every single person that gets to listen to this. Um, when they hear your, your story. So thank you. Thank you so much. My life is full of because of people like you. I'm inspired by you and what you do. And uh, I just want to extend my oceans of gratitude to you and to your listeners and to your lovely son, your ex-husband. Please give them my oceans of gratitude and I appreciate you. I will. I will. Thank, thank you. you. And you know what? Last time we me, did. If you need me for anything, don't hesitate to call. Absolutely. And what is your, what is your um, Venmo? Cause I'm going to have the, the GoFundMe, but what is your Venmo in case people don't want to go through? Uh, I believe it's my name. I believe it's my name, Bruce Bryant. Okay. I'll confirm it before, watch. before yeah. this goes out. So, okay. Thank you so much, Bruce. Thank Great talking so with you again. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone. I certainly hope that you enjoyed today's interview. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that you and your family are healthy and safe and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.